0: Our guest today, Skyping in from the United Kingdom, is Father Rod Walton, a priest and bishop in what is known as the Old Catholic Church. If I'm right about this, the Old Catholic Church broke with the Roman Catholic tradition back in the 1700s over the doctrine of papal authority. Old Catholics are in full communion with the Anglican Church, however, and their congregations exist primarily in the countries of Western Europe. Father Walton is here today to tell us about how he's putting The Revelations of Near-Death Experience to Work in Comforting the Bereaved, the Terminally Ill, and in Dealing with the Depression of Families of Those Confronting Death. Father Walton runs the uh, Bereavement Rescue Center in the UK and is the co-author of Bereavement Rescue with Near-Death Experience Evidence, which he wrote with physicist and priest, the Reverend Dr. Carolyn Wilkins. Father Walton tells me he served eight years in the London Fire Brigade and nearly 25 years in the police service in London. He had a supernatural experience in 1975 when he was 29, and that led him to becoming a Christian with an early interest in near-death experience. Father Walton, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you, Lee. Great to be on your show.
0: Oh, It's wonderful to have you. Father, perhaps you could begin by telling us uh, about what you've called your supernatural experience.
1: Yes, yes, this goes way back. Um, I wasn't a Christian then. I was basically an atheist. Uh, on a Friday night, <clears throat> I, w- I was, I was always a bookworm, so I love books. So there was a new bookshop opened up and it was called Maranatha, which meant nothing to me at that time. So I walked into the bookshop, not knowing it was a Christian bookshop. And I saw this book and it was called Exit the Devil by Reverend Trevor Deering. And I browsed through it and I thought, oh my, this is a good book. And I, I bought it and I just went home it was one of those books I couldn't put down and I started reading it on the Friday night and I was basically nearly completed it the early hours of Saturday morning I remember about two o'clock in the morning putting the book down to my left side and I went to sleep I had had a radio to my left side it was my father's radio an old radio I borrowed and in the morning I woke up it it was my day off I couldn't I could be lazy, and I laid there, and I thought, put my hand down, picked up the book. The next minute, I had this voice. It was not audible, but it wasn't my imagination by any means. It was different. It said, turn on your radio. So I just turned the radio on, and I wasn't shocked to have it. It seemed quite normal. And then it said, change the channel, Mm. and I changed the channel. Now remember at this point, I'd never heard of Reverend Trevor Deering until approximately 48 hours earlier. And I wasn't a Christian. As I changed the channel, it said, at 11 o'clock, the globe trotting exorcist, Trevor Deering, will be here to answer your questions. <laughs> I literally, then, then it all happened. I came back to what the heck is going on? And I jumped out of bed and I went running downstairs to my mother, and father, who were alive at that time, and I was trying to explain. My father was an ex-regimental sergeant major who thought I'd gone mad, <laughs> but my mother, she said, no, 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 let him talk. And that was the beginning. I wrote off to Trevor Deering. I was invited down to in Essex, where I became a Christian, uh, and for about six months, everything supernatural happened. Everything was just in this like supernatural realm, and then it went back to normal. And hence, that's right to now. This is how I all became a priest due to that one incident.
0: Pretty amazing. Uh, yes. What uh, what uh, got you interested in near death experience?
1: I started studying near death experiences um, just after um, when Raymond Moody's book came out, Life After Life. Yes. Approximately just after I became a Christian. And I started studying, I think, the Turin Shred at the same time. The two were running parallel. And um, I started with Raymond Moody, and that was the beginning. I then st- went into Betty Eady's book, Embraced by the Light, and then it went on to Howard Storms, and every conceivable book I could get on NDE's. Uh, and I could see that it worked very well Christianity. I had no problems. There was no ambiguity with it as far as I could see. And it was when I started it for about, oh my goodness, right up until from 1975 to 2002 when my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. <clears throat> I was very close to my mother because I was an only child. And so we were very, very good friends as well as uh, mother and, uh, sorry, uh, son and mother. So when she was diagnosed, my my world was falling apart at that point. The only real person I had at that time who I really could relate to and trust was my mother. And so when she was dying, I began to go into bereavement before she passed away. The bereavement process had started. And um, ultimately, when she did pass away, I realized that the 20 odd years of NDE study was what kept me together. All of a sudden I realized, wow, I've got hope based on evidence. I've got hope rather than the re- never going to see her again. And within six months, I was back on my feet and feeling really good. And I just wanted to share it. This was in 2002. And that was the beginning of Breedment Rescue. I then began to share it. It just grew and grew and grew to the point where we've got now. Mm. Uh,
0: a few nights ago on, um, uh- uh, Art Bell's, uh, Coast to Coast, they did a repeat of a, sh- of an interview with Betty Edie, uh, back, yes. going back to 1999. It was really interesting yes. to hear, hear her from, uh, yes. that long ago. Um, yes. What a, what a, uh, powerful, uh, a re- representation she's given of the, of the whole near-death phenomenon. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, you were, um, a chaplain, I take it, or something like that, for the police service in London. Did, uh, what, I, was, did that yeah,
1: I was a representative. Yeah, I was a representative for the for the uh, police Christian ministry, which was good because then I began to actually add my own ministry before I was a priest. Mm-hmm.
0: There would have been a lot of bereavement involved in uh, work with that kind of work, I would think.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it was interesting because ultimately, when I had to go and say I become a Christian. Because when I first joined the police, I wasn't a Christian, so I literally had to go in one day from being like one of the boys and to saying I'm a Christian, and every everything went quiet. They looked at me, and after the awkward silence, I thought, well, I've told them. (laughs) From that point on, and from that point on, it was good, and to the point where I had people coming and saying, look, Rod, can I have a chat with you? I'd like to talk, and that was really lovely because. They had, you know, they were trusting me, and this was the beginning of my ministry, really, prior to even becoming a priest.
0: One of the elements in uh, near-death experience is the uh, the universality of it—that it's not necessarily a Christian experience. Did you find any uh, conflict between your new Christianity and that aspect of NDEs? I did initially,
1: until I, again I carried on studying, and then I I went into like the universalism. It's christian universalism but mm-hmm. ultimately we all get the chance to ultimately go to go to Christ no matter what what religion
0: now why doesn't um does the old Catholic Church uh teach that uh, um vision of universalism
1: I don't know if everybody does, but there's a lot of flexibility i mean even I think even the Pope now has got um flexible compared to the old days.
0: Oh yes, he's doing a, w- a wonderful job compared to yeah, the old days. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I think, I think there's more and more people actually realizing. And then when I began to read the Bible and like, you know, many of the scriptures after studying NDEs, the scriptures came alive much more than when I had my first, you know, when I was thinking the old way that not everyone would go to heaven. Once I realized, that, um, the bigger picture, scriptures made much more sense than prior to it. Mm.
0: There, there is the, uh, the experience of, uh, DNDEs, distressing near death experiences, where yes, people yes, have, uh, yes. black visions, dark visions yes. of, of the other side. a yes. uh,
1: storm for argument's sake, yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Although, um, uh, it seems like if you stick with it and work through it, that you can come out on the, on the, into the light.
1: That yeah, it's not a again, permanent
0: situation.
1: No, this is what I, this is again gave me more, uh, more uh, encouragement because when Howard Storm shouted out to, to Jesus, Jesus turned up. Mm. So ultimately, once you start asking or calling out to God or Jesus, you literally do get rescued.
0: There are uh stories of encounters with Jesus on the other side by people who are non Christian, who may be yes. even be Buddhist or or yes. um uh, Muslim. And yes. uh and of course Jesus is a, a powerful figure, a prophet of sorts for most other religions too. They seem yeah. to be able to include him on that on that level. Yeah. Um do do you uh personally believe that uh people can recognize Jesus and be saved by Jesus um, on the other side after they've died?
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and I think, personally, I think, um, like, for argument's sake, uh, let's see, Howard Storm, for argument's sake, who who I've mentioned, and um, Ian McCormick, they were dead prior to meeting him.
0: One of the... the, um Questions and one of the problems I run to, into as a hospital chaplain sometimes are those Christian families who say, uh, "My dying brother or mother or father, for instance, uh, has uh, never was never a Christian or didn't become a Christian, so they're going to hell." Um, mm-hmm. This is where near death experience one of the places where near death experience can be a comfort if they're willing to. Very much,
1: yeah, that. very much so. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, I always say with NDE evidence, you don't have to take a blind leap. You can take an intellectual step.
0: Have you encountered many people uh, in your bereavement work that have had NDEs or or have um, relatives who've had NDEs?
1: Um, I've had a next-door neighbor who sadly has passed on now. He had a heart attack, and he said he was going through a tunnel to the light. <clears throat> um, I've got, uh, let me see now I think I I, mean, I had a gentleman who turned up here one day which had nothing to do with uh, my job and he sat down on a seat beside me and he turned around and started telling me about his NDE mm. and Caroline uh, Caroline Wilkins was with me and we just, just couldn't believe that here uh, am I not talking about it and someone sits down and starts talking to me about it
0: <laughs> I've had that experience uh, b- you? both, both as a chaplain and also just sitting in an airplane seat one day, and the person next to me turned around and started talking about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Carolyn Wilkins. Now she was a physicist, I guess, before she became a priest. Uh, yeah. Has she brought her physics to bear on any of this NDE study? Yeah, yeah.
1: She, she's with me at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she's she also had a supernatural experience. Who took her from being a, an atheist physicist to a, a priest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's two of us. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now uh, tell us, um, how you came to the, well, how did you come to the writing of the book and, and this plan to have a, a, a center to deal with bereavement?
1: <clears throat> well, I started talking to lots of people and Again, it was working. People were saying to me, you know, I I had a barber whom um, had just lost his dad, and I started talking to him about uh, NDEs while he was cutting my hair. And he said, could we go out for a meal together and talk about it? And I said, yeah, no problem. So we went out for a meal, and he literally asked questions for about two hours. And then he leant over and held me on my shoulder, and he said, thank you. You've answered all my questions. And he never looked back from that point on and he again had like a miraculous healing from bereavement. So then I decided I was going to open a little, um, bereavement talk once a week in, in a local church. And that's how it started. And I thought, shall I do that? And it, then I met, uh, Caroline, Caroline Wilkins, and, um, we decided that no, 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 this is much bigger. And we sat down together and we wrote the bereavement rescue with NDE evidence. And we felt we wanted to get a center where people could come on a daily basis in a very relaxed area where we could actually play and show them videos. And then with a cup of coffee and perhaps biscuits, have a discussion group so they could ask questions and talk talk to each other so they've all got a common bereavement um, problem so they then could come to us on a regular basis and so we could actually have like a courtroom scenario where they could actually see the evidence and weigh the evidence up like they would if they were a member of a jury so they could come to a decision which when we present the evidence is pretty strong mm. like blind <clears throat> people seeing and- it for the first time
0: do you draw your evidence from published, uh, accounts of NDEs or, or from personal, um, uh, stories that you've heard yourself?
1: Both, both. Yeah. Both. Everything. Every conceivable. Plus, obviously, the scientific evidence, like right, with Dr. Sampani's Aware, Aware Project and Dr. Pim Van Lommel's uh, um, findings and various other ones. So we're given the real scientific, um, uh, information backed up by the witnesses because i always say when i was in the police uh, i used to take a witness statement from witnesses well ndes who are coming back are just people who have witnessed something so ultimately their witness statement should be looked on as any other statement as if they'd have witnessed a murder
0: one of the um real uh rewards of being a hospital chaplain is that i get to go to people who've coded whose hearts have stopped Yes. and ask them if they saw anything when they were on the other side. And uh, about, uh, I'd say, 10 to 15% of the time, I, I, I get a story from them. And that's I great. usually try to use their uh, permission to uh, use that account in dealing with other people who might be afraid of dying or with families who have just lost yeah. some. That's
1: brilliant. It,
0: it's just that's, uh, that's incredible. It, it is it is it's very powerful and and you know what these stories are so universal and at the same time they're so personally individualized yes uh i had a man who died who who uh, uh the first thing he saw was his dog that he'd lost 3 months before oh. that he dearly loved waiting for him on the other side uh that kind of thing can really strike home with uh with uh, somebody who is uh, you know dealing with a death situation
1: it's, it's interesting you say about the dog because we, we also help people who are suffering from bereavement with pets. Mm. Because NDEs, as you say, I mean, people who lose a pet can be sometimes even more in bereavement than when they've lost a human being, <laughs> which we found out. So we actually get the get the um, pet NDE uh, accounts and we'll let them, or we'll send them accounts of pet NDEs, which again have the same effect as As it would if they'd have lost a human.
0: Oh, you're familiar with that uh, Rainbow Bridge story on the that's on the internet?
1: Um, could you refresh my mind on that?
0: Well, it's a it's just a it's an anonymous rendering of what somebody's idea of what happens when a pet dies. And uh, they're together playing in the field together, romping and playing, and then when when you die. That pet yes. spots you and rushes to you and you, oh. then you and your pet cross the rainbow bridge together. Oh, that's and lovely. it's a that's beautiful story. <laughs> and, it, and it's so reinforced by what we hear from, uh, reports of NDEs. You know, it, at yeah. first it seems like a lovely myth. And then you think, well, maybe it, maybe there's some truth to this after all. Yeah. Love never dies. That's right. Exactly yeah. right. Love exactly. never dies. It manifests in, in pets and it manifests in the, physical world and, and yes and in us but it's 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 like energy it never dies
1: exactly i mean it's That's, like when jesus said to the disciples you know when i was in prison you didn't visit me and when i was hungry you didn't feed me it just shows the interconnectedness of all of us because when he said if you did it to the least of these you did it to me i think that really brings home scripture when you look at ndes and then you look at scripture it brings it alive
0: one of the things I've I, I wrote an article recently for um, I'm a congregational minister and the, there's a congregationalist magazine. I wrote an article called working with the reality of near death experience and trying to encourage pastors and to to take this on as part of their um, yes. ministry. Um, yes. But there's such a reluctance because there are the first of all, the universality is a problem for some people. And the and just the fact of personal mystical experience of any kind yes. Yes. is 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 um frightening to them. They're they're afraid of it.
1: Yeah. Well, I I try all the time. I think part of my mission is to educate other ministers, mm. just to get them to look at the evidence, because many of them haven't even looked at the evidence, and I think this is a stumbling block.
0: You must encounter people who say, "Oh, I had a visit from my." From my late husband, or this happened, or that happened, and I yeah. took it as a sign. You know, a yes. bird was fluttering against yes. the window, or of uh, the yes. lights didn't work properly. Did, what, do you have any of those stories you could? Uh, yes, I do.
1: Actually, um, in fact, I was thinking of this. I had one. He's a, he's a gentleman in his 80s who lives about two doors from where I live, and he. Um, I, I can, if I can digress, he, he came to me. When he, they told him in the hospital his wife was going to die. And I, he was knocking on my door. And, um, I looked through the glass and I opened the door and he was in tears and he said, um, would you do my wife's funeral? And I said, yeah. I said, she passed away. He said, no, the, the hospital has told me that she, she's going to. So would you please do it? And I said, yes. And I said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm also going to pray for her. And he said, are you? And I said, yes. <laughs> Well, the next thing I heard, I prayed for her, and his wife came back and spent another year with him. (laughs) Uh, This is a true story without a doubt. Uh, And um, then when she passed away, I went to see him, and he said to me, my wife has visited me. And he said, look at this. And he took me over to the wall. He had a a calendar there, and he put the time when she visited it. And he said, while sitting in my room, I looked up and I said, what are you doing here? I won't mention her name, but what are you doing here? And she smiled, he said, and just disappeared. Mm. Now, I've got him to tell this story. To I went and did a funeral recently, and this gentleman came in because he was going to do the catering. And I said to the person whom I was doing the funeral for, would you please tell this lady what you told me? And so he then told her the story. So again, that was fantastic for the for the um, healing process.
0: It is. It's such a powerful thing. Um, it's just. Yeah, and uh, and there are many many encounters. I th- I think there are probably more of those experiences. They say in this country we have seven hundred s- estimated seven hundred and seventy four near death experiences every day. nationwide but i think even more than that we have people who've had visits uh from deceased relatives or messages or some sign that has that's uh, happened in their lives and these are just as getting
1: back to my father who i said was a a, a, you know a hard man to convince when my mother passed away I used to get up in the mornings, and I would be up quite early, and my father would come out a little while later. And one morning, he came out, and he sat down, and he was quiet. And I said, you okay, Dad? And he said, he looked up at me, and he said, I've just seen your mum. Ah. And she came into the bedroom and sat opposite him. And I said, what did she say? He said she just smiled at me. Now, this is, remember, this is the regimental sergeant major who, when I was (laughs) Yeah, so that was the real deal. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's two examples.
0: Now, isn't that interesting? Because you and your mother were so close, and you're interested in all of this, but she felt yeah. that the visit had to be paid to her this, husband this, instead.
1: Exactly. This is why it, this came up. What you've just spoke about, Lee, and I think it was because I didn't have to be shown, and he did.
0: Mm-hmm. Did that put him more in touch with the, the work you're doing?
1: Oh, big time. Massive, yeah, and he used to tell neighbors about it as well, which was a complete change in character.
0: Now, tell us uh, a little about how you envision the center of yours to to work. I mean, what what your goals are. I know you mentioned uh, having small cabins to for people to stay in.
1: Yeah, well, we've uh, we've we're now changing this idea. We're going to have a much larger building. We're, we're we're putting in for a grant. In fact, uh, is it next month? I think we're putting in for a grant. Next month, yeah, we're putting in for the grant, I'm just checking, we're putting in for the grant next month, uh, and it will be a much larger grant than we thought. So we were going to have cabins, but we are now going for a large building already, already built. And the idea of the building is it's going to be open so people can come to us anytime they want to. And for people who perhaps are going through an exceptionally bad time, where we might get a doctor who says, can you help these people, we're going to have them for the weekend. So we could then spend the weekend with them um, talking to them and hopefully get some NDEs to come in and talk to them as well so they can speak to witnesses and also get DVDs. And j- ultimately, we're going to saturate them in the NDE evidence so they, when they leave, they will be aware of the evidence for the faith that's in them.
0: Oh, that's terrific.
1: And that's where we're going to go. Plus, then they, we're going to obviously always be on – we'll always be on call so people can come and drop in, ring us up and say, "Could we have a couple of hours meeting? Just general people because I don't know what it's like in the U.S., but over in the U.K., some people wait for six months or longer to get bereavement counselling. Well, that just it doesn't work because they're either over it or they're getting worse by the time they even see a counsellor. Mm. And on top – a- sorry –
0: no, I was just going to say, one of the things we do in our hospital, which doesn't yeah. necessarily involve NDEs, mm-hmm. is we uh, we uh have a quarterly memorial service for the families of people who've died in the hospital, and one of the things that does is by bringing a room full of people together, We, we sometimes we have 150, 170 people, they suddenly understand that this is a shared experience that everyone yeah. in that room is going through, that it's not just them, it's not just them losing their mother, but a whole yes. room full of people who've had yes. suffered the same loss and that sense of community and, and love. And we light, we light candles in front of pictures of all of the people who died. And it just, um, uh, it's very powerful and community. I think you're right. A larger building, if it, if it, um, stimulates the notion of community, yeah, uh, <laughs> would be more powerful than, um, individualized sort of meditation and, uh,
1: yes this is what we're going to do so we'll have all people together like you just said like we'll have about three or four or five or maybe more who come and they're all basically in the same boat Mm -hmm. and they all then can be drawn together because they're all feeling similar feelings of pain and they'll be able to obviously relate to each other as well where do you think sorry
0: I was going to say where do you think um, religions are going to go with this do you think they'll they'll reach a point where they understand that personal mystical experiences are important to the congregations?
1: I think so, because if if you go right the way back, uh, I, I feel, especially in the Eastern Church, I mean, that was part of it, wasn't it? I mm. feel that we're just sort of going full circle. I think Western Christianity has sadly lost a lot of, they've westernized a lot of what I believe Jesus was teaching.
0: Uh. Well, Rod, we are... Unfortunately, we're running out of time, and I wanted you to talk a little about um, how people could find out more about your work, how, the, how they can get a copy of your book, and so forth. So, why don't you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, if they if they go to our site, which is www. bereavementrescue all lower dot org. dot they can contact us there. Plus, if they want the book, they can download it for free. If you, do, you, you can get it on Amazon, but if you want to get it free, you can download it on our site, all free. Everything is free. We charge for nothing. So, And if you need any help, just get in touch with us.
0: Mm. I saw also there's an autobiography of you.
1: Yes. Yeah, Godspeed.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah. when was that written?
1: That was written – it was completed approximately was it, uh, about four years ago, I think. It was written over a six-year period, mm-hmm. and time flies. But I would think it was it was completed about four years ago, three to four years ago. Mm-hmm. And that takes in everything, what, all what I've done, the NDE study, my time in the brigade, um, my experience, um, the Shroud of Turin. We cover everything. And um, and a bit more. In fact, I'm thinking of updating it. To, it's, it's a book going to be called The Beat Goes On.
0: All right. Well, one of these days, perhaps we can uh, we can talk about the Shroud of Turin, which is a a an. love subject to. of. Uh, I've always been interested and fascinated by that one.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah. no time.
1: I'd love to talk to you on that because I've been studying that also. But I'd just love to talk on the Shroud to you because it dovetails with. Christianity, but it also dovetails with the NDEs if you think <laughs> about it.
0: Maybe we'll, we'll we'll set a date to do that.
1: I'd love to do that, Lee. Okay. Um, it's been it's been lovely talking to you.
0: Wonderful talking to you. And I I want to thank thank you uh, for sharing your story of uh, and, and of your bereavement work with uh, NDEs. Uh, for the folks out there, if you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANS and the upcoming conference in Denver, check out that website, IANDS.org, and tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern for more NDE radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.